You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. I am your host, Steve Kent, and as always, we have Lou with us. I assume Alex will probably be joining us at some point uh, in tonight's show. Uh, we have quite a bit to get to. Uh, the NFL, ton of injuries to talk about, including the most noteworthy yeah. injury of them all with Tua Tunga-Vailoa. We'll get to in a little bit. And apparently there's been a development in that as well, which uh, could actually it could drastically impact the sport as a whole. Uh, we also have the NBA and NHL preseason to talk about, uh, including, you know, how some teams may be looking early on here. Granted, it's the preseason, but still, you can kind of get an indication of who is actually going to be in the, you know, who's going to be in the mix, basically. Uh, plus, we have the Major League Baseball playoffs in sight as well. Uh, so, we got a lot of stuff to uh, cover tonight, but first off, Lou, how you doing? All right, Steve, and thanks for coming on the show again. Yeah, no, pro- no problem. You know, I yeah. when I originally texted you, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to if I was going to be able to make it on in time because there was a couple things I had to I had to get done, and uh, I figured why not? You know, I might uh, I'd call in for well, about, you're becoming about a big part of the show, or, and you know the Numbers are going up, so every every it helps. Yeah, well, you know, I I kind of figured I'd uh, I'd at least try to call in for a little bit the yeah. uh, the little uh, opening of time that I had, uh, you know that that I that I had in order to uh, in yeah. order to join in. Uh, but we have a pretty big topic first to discuss here uh, to start off yes. tonight's show uh, in the world. Well. Actually, it may not be the one you're ta- uh, you're thinking of, but uh, first in the world of professional wrestling, uh, right. Japanese legend Antonio Inoki officially passed away earlier. Uh, well, technically, technically over in Japan, it's already October second, but uh, last right. night he ended up passing away at the age of seventy nine due to what they're what they call systemic transthyroidin. Amyloidosis, which basically is a disease that typically affects the heart and tendons of elderly people, uh, and apparently it's is. caused by it's caused by an accumulation of a wild type protein called transthyretin, transthyretin mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. Um, and I guess Inoki uh, was you know, had been had been dealing with it for quite some time and he officially passed away um last night. Well over here it was last night. Over there it was probably in the morning. Uh but I mean this you know, this is a huge a huge deal. Like this is this was a guy who probably you know, he inspired so many uh, wrestlers to uh, you know ultimately to cut to come into uh, professional wrestling. 
I mean, in yes. particular, one of the one of the wrestlers that he trained is actually part of World Wrestling Entertainment right now. That being Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, also, he's tra- he's trained a couple a couple of other uh, a couple of other big names like Ro- Rocky Romero, who is uh, most notably known for his time with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. it's- He's uh, he's trained quite a few. Uh, m- most of them most of them are Japanese uh, wrestlers, uh, like mm-hmm. Masahiro Chono, who was known for uh, being part of the WCW or the Japanese version of the NWO in WCW. Uh, right. There's there's been you know there's quite a few uh, quite a few names, uh, including Bad News Brown. Was also one of the uh, one of the people that uh, mm-hmm. that was trained by him. Uh, ne- you know, needless to say, though, uh, this is also a guy who went to a draw with Muhammad Ali back in 1976. That's right. I think I saw under, that uh, under special boxing slash wrestling rules, which mm-hmm. technically right. today we call it mixed martial arts. But yes, uh, that's. He went a full full fifteen rounds with Muhammad Ali, and he fought Muhammad Ali to a draw. So you know this is this is exactly how huge this guy was to not just I the mean, world. Of I think a lot of people might not take that fight seriously until you know either you know a big martial arts something is a pure box a pure boxer. So I can imagine back then that. You know, they really didn't take this fight seriously. Ah, Ali's going to crush him. What does he know about boxing? He's, you know, he's something else. But, uh, you know, Ali might have taken it too lightly, and it turned to be a decent fight. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know, it's it's funny, though, because originally Enoki initially promised Ali that it would be a rigged match, which would allow Ali to right. to fight in Japan. But when the deal had materialized, Ali's camp apparently feared that Inoki would turn the fight into a shoot, which, yeah. uh, you know, anybody who knows anything about professional wrestling, they know that a shoot is an unplanned, unscripted, or real-life occurrence within an event. And uh, many people believed that this was, in, uh, this was Inoki's intention, and uh, Ali ended up visiting a professional wrestling match involving Inoki, and he witnessed the grappling ability of Inoki. Uh, the rules of the match were announced several months in advance, and two days before the match, however, several new rules were added, which severely limited the moves that each man could perform. Uh, one rule change specified specified that Inoki could only throw a kick if one of his knees was on the ground, uh, which ended up having a major effect on the outcome of the fight. Uh, Ali ended up landing a total of six punches to Inoki, and Inoki kept to his back in a defensive position almost the full duration of the match of 15 rounds. Uh, ending up hitting Ali with a low kick repeatedly. Uh, the bout ended in a draw, uh, three to three, and Ali ended up leaving without a press conference, and he actually suffered damage to his legs as a result of Inoki's repeated kicks. So, I mean, this uh, to be able to 
damage. I, I mean, granted, let's let's keep in mind, you know, this wasn't boxing. This was a right. hybrid <laughs> event. So obviously, you know, Ali never never learned how to check kicks and whatnot, because otherwise he would have, uh, you know, he would have been able to limit the amount of damage that was that ended up being done to his legs. But uh, I, you know, I honestly think that that may have actually played a role, uh, you know, later on in Muhammad Ali's career. Because, well, actually, let me, yeah, let me let me double check here. When did he officially retire? Uh, I believe. It was. Hang on, let me let me take a look here real quick. So it was in '81 that he ended up retiring, and the fight ended up taking place. What did I say it was '79? You said '76. '76. Okay. Yeah, so 76, so that would have been around the time that uh, he had beaten Ken Norton. And then he later went on to beat uh, Alfredo Evangelista and Ernie Shavers before he lost to Leon Spinks uh, in a split split Mm. decision. And then beating Spinks, he ended up beating Spinks in the rematch before losing back-to-back fights against Larry Holmes and Trevor Burbick. You know, I almost wonder, Lou, if maybe that leg damage played a bit of a factor. Oh, I doubt it. It, it kind of, I mean, granted, Ali was getting older, but, yes, you know, if, if you have permanent damage to your legs, uh, well, we don't know Understood. if it was permanent, uh, if, it, if it was permanent, but, uh, you know, that's, that could severely limit your movement ability around that boxing ring. Yeah. So, you know, the the fact that uh, Inoki was able to do that much damage to Ali, I mean, that just, that just goes to show you the type of, uh, the type of not just wrestler, but the type of uh, fighter overall that Inoki was. The fact that he could go toe to toe with Muhammad (laughs) Ali and, be able to fight him to a draw. Now, ultimately, uh, Inoki did, uh, follow, following his retirement, he ended up promoting a number of MMA events, uh, such as ones that took place alongside uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he was the ambassador for the International Fight League's Tokyo uh, ver- uh, edition before uh, that promotion ultimately met its demise. Uh, he was also part of the Inoki Genome, Fe- uh, Fe- Genome Federation, which was a uh, yeah. a Japanese pro wrestling and mixed martial arts promotion that he founded back in 2007. Uh, you know, he he pretty much was uh, he he also ended up entering politics as well. Uh, he was part of the House of Counselors over in Japan. Uh, for two different stints, one from 89 to 95 and one from 2013 to 2019 before he officially announced his retirement from politics there. Uh, But, you know, this is a guy who pretty much, even after he retired from pro wrestling between 
uh, between 94 and 90 uh, and 98. Yeah. You know, he still was, uh, he still was, was pretty active uh, when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes, when it comes to pro wrestling. So, and also, also as well, he sold uh, his controlling stock of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, to the uh, Yuke's Corporation, which is a uh, Japanese video game developer. So, right. Ulti- ultimately, though, uh, I mean, you know, Lou, what kind of impact do you think uh, Antonio Inoki ended up having? On uh, the pro wrestling, uh, on the the, the uh, you know the sport of pro wrestling as a whole. Well, I think in my opinion, the way for today, for the wrestling of today, you know, I mean, I think you can call him a trendsetter. You know, first, you know, with uh, boxing and then transferring and wrestling and you know trying to combine it together. So this, I think, saved um, paved the way for you know what the uh, MMA fighters do now. So I think this was right. a big impact. Yeah, oh, it definitely was. And uh, by, by the way, we have added Alex uh, onto the show. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hey guys. Hey, we've been uh, we've been discussing uh, the death of Antonio Inoki and the impact that he had had on the uh, on the world of combat sports and pro wrestling in general. Um, I know it was brought it was brought up uh, a little bit earlier today on uh, on on the other show, uh, but I mean, a- Alex, what are your thoughts on on the uh, the death of Antonio Inoki? Uh, I mean, that you know, this is a guy that one could argue, if it wasn't for his contributions to the sport of professional wrestling, wrestling may not be what it is today, potentially. Yeah. Absolute trailblazer, absolute pioneer. I mean, it cannot be uh, short-sighted or, uh, you know, understated. He had a massive impact. Uh, You know, one of the trailblazers, one of the originals. Obviously a very huge loss uh, in the world of that uh, wrestling arena. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just to list off some of his accomplishments here. uh, He's been... He, he, of course, he was inducted to the uh, WWE Hall of Fame back in 2010. Uh, he was at one point the heavyweight champion, although it was it's technically unrecognized uh, by the WWF at this point or the WWE. Uh, but he was also the WWF slash WWF World Martial Arts heavyweight champion for two times as well. I didn't even know that they actually had that as a uh, as a title. I had no idea that they had the uh, the World Martial Arts Heavyweight Championship, uh, wow. which obviously, I mean, it fits well into his uh, well into his uh, skill set. Uh, but he was also part of the uh, World Championship Wrestling WCW Hall of Fame back in the class of 1995. Uh, but most of his accomplishments, though, come from New Japan, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's a three-time IWGP heavyweight uh, champion, holding both the current belt as well as the original version of the belt. Uh, I mean, he won he won so many different leagues 
back in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, including the the MSG Tag League, uh, twice with Hulk Hogan, once with Bob Backlund, and once with uh, Tatsumi Fujinami. Uh, he won the IWGP, the NJPW IWGP League four times between 1984 and 1988. Uh, he was also a, uh, a, a, the NWA North American Tag Team uh, Champion, which was uh, when the NWA operated in both Los Angeles as well as Japan uh, with mm-hmm. Seiji uh, Sakaguchi. Uh, you know, need, needless to say, and he's also uh, he also won the uh, Lou Fez Award from the Cauliflower Alley Club back in 2004, which is a huge pro wrestling uh, pro wrestling staple uh, organization for retired as well as active professional wrestlers. Uh, you know, need, needless to say, for a guy who went toe-to-toe with Muhammad Ali and was able to actually go to a draw with Ali and do permanent damage. Well, it doesn't say if it's permanent damage, but he did do significant damage to Ali's legs because of all of his repeated leg kicks to the point of where, you know, maybe perhaps he could have had a potential impact on Ali's late career uh, those last couple of years that Ali fought in boxing because of those leg kicks. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, you know, I don't think there's, there's, there are very few bigger wrestlers who have had a huge impact on the sport of professional wrestling over the years than Antonio Inoki. With that being said, uh, let us move over to the NFL as obviously the big story of, uh, of the week centers around Tuatunga Vailoa and whether or not he was actually concussed in last Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills. It seemed kind of suspicious to me at least that he practically stumbled before before he ended up going into into the blue tent and whatnot to get a uh to go into concussion protocol uh you know and do all those tests and the dolphin you know he ends up coming back out and ultimately winning the game for Miami However, the Dolphins still insist that all protocols were, uh, you know, all the right protocols were taken and that they handled everything legitimately and that to uh, pass the concussion test. If he passed passed the concussion test, the NFL wouldn't have fired their, uh, you know, their independent, uh, you know, their independent doctor who tested him. And obviously we ended up seeing what happened Thursday night when it Mm -hmm. seemed like it was any, it seemed like any regular tackle from behind the back. It seemed like any regular tackle, but yet when Tua 
when Tua finally finally laid on his back, it looked like he was throwing up gang signs with his with his hands. Yeah. Except they weren't gang signs. He was literally. It, it was almost. It was almost as if he was. He was going through a seizure or something. Oh, I and, know what that feels like. And ultimately, uh, he ended up having to get stretchered off of the uh, off of the field. And it had been confirmed after the game that he had suffered a, a concussion. Oof. Now. Let's start with you, Lou, because I don't know yeah. I don't know about you, but it seems to me like Tua Tua shouldn't have even bet, had any business playing that game Thursday night. No, not at all, not at all. Otherwise, you know, I don't, he wouldn't be in where he is right now. I mean, he's on concussion protocol. He's lucky he's out of the hospital, but you know, he's not going to be able to play for quite a while. He had he had no business being in that game. This whole thing could have been avoided. Most injuries can some injuries can be avoided if they just follow you know uh, guidelines. Well, you know if he would have done that, uh, maybe he wouldn't be in concussion protocol right now because he never should have played that game. But some people just never learn. Well, what what are your thoughts on this, Alex? Because it it, it, it seemed like he the fact that he stumbled like he did in the game against Buffalo. There's no way that anybody could look at that and say he wasn't concussed. And I've never yet somehow he was able to finish the game. Yeah, there's there's no way he should have been starting the game. So uh, there's got to be culpability. There's got to be uh, someone's got to answer the call here. He should not even been been playing. Now he's you know yeah. he almost was paralyzed and head trauma. I mean. Talk yeah. about lawsuits. I mean, there's got to be people uh, getting their jobs lost immediately. I mean, that was that was terrible. I, there, if they sweep that on the rug, how can you sweep that on the rug? Is he gonna play again? Maybe this year. Mm. Uh, I, I it's hard to say. That we we don't know. I, let, let me put it in perspective here with uh, with the, with this. Uh, but this thing, uh, there was a pro wrestler named Christopher Nowinski, who at one point, everybody was looking at him as being, you know, a potential new face of the WWE for the future. He ended up suffering multiple concussions between 2002 and 2003, his only time with the company. After that, he basically was he was forced to retire due to the multiple concussions that he suffered and he was out for a year with post concussion syndrome so he had he had still been he had still been dealing with uh with with concussion symptoms even a year after he suffered his last one mm. so Especially with with stuff like with stuff like this happening with Tua, I would not be shocked if Tua. First off, I'm pretty convinced that Tua was concussed in Thursday night's game against uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I I feel that I feel that he was concussed before before he even got hit. You know, he was he had no reason to be out there whatsoever. 
No. And now that he officially has suffered, you know, it's been uh, confirmed that he suffered a concussion. Who knows exactly how much brain damage has been done to his, to his, you know, to his head. For all we know, this could potentially put him out for the remainder of the year. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it doesn't, and I'm hoping he's able to come back and, you know, he's able to clear uh, concussion protocol. But to me, you know, this is just it, – it's, it's gross negligence by the NFL to basically hire uh, – to hire an independent uh, doctor like they did, uh, to have him on the NFL's it's payroll and – uh, you know, for this to happen. And uh, according to the statement that the NFL has put out with the NFLPA, it says here that uh, the investigation into the application of the concussion protocol remains ongoing. Therefore, we have not made any conclusions about medical errors or protocol violations. The NFL and NFLPA agree that modifications to the concussion protocol are needed to enhance player safety. Uh, The NFLPA's Mackie White Health and Safety Committee and the NFL's Head, Neck, and Spine Committee have already begun conversations around around the use of the term gross motor instability. And we anticipate yes. changes to the protocol being made in the coming days based on what based on what has been learned thus far in the review process. Uh, the NFL and NFLPA share a strong appreciation for the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants who contribute their time and expertise to our game solely to advance player safety. This program has made our game safer for the athletes who play it for the past 12 seasons. Now, what wasn't mentioned in that is that multiple uh and this uh, this was reported uh an update here has been reported on uh nfl.com that they terminated the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant and the NFLPA cited several factors in terminating the consultant, including failure to understand his role as the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant and hostility during the investigation process. Uh, also, it, it says that both the consultant and the Dolphins team physician were interviewed on Friday Uh on the sideline for every game, the UNC, as they dub him, is assigned by the league's head neck and spine committee and approved by the NFL's chief medical officer and the NFLPA medical director. Uh, currently, Dr. Alan Sills and Dr. Tom uh, Meyer hold both of those roles, respectively. And while they said that, you know, they haven't made any uh, conclusions about medical errors. It's been reported by, I believe it was ESPN, that there were multiple errors in uh, the in the uh, report that came out about Tua. There were there were look, multiple errors. Look what happened? I mean, look at what happened. There's so much smoke. There's fire. Obviously, those yeah. guys are cooked. 
right. He should not have screwed up. Yeah. He should not have screwed up. It's pretty simple, and that's what it is, and that's it. Yeah. So now you're going to see if, you know, this isn't a high school game. At that level, every level, should, everyone should be taken care of, right? Uh, he should yeah. not have been out there. And then they they had the balls to send him out there again. I mean, it's inexcusable. Something's got to happen. Yeah, I I, I think I think th- there's definitely something that's gonna that's going to have to uh, that's gonna have to take place here. Um, I'm trying to find the actual report here so that I can. Yeah. Okay. So says here that he was fired over several mistakes in his evaluation. Uh, yeah, so a source from the NFL Players Association exercised its right to dismiss the consultant. Uh, both the NFLPA and the league each have the right to fire uh, a consultant without agreement from the other party. And so it says here that he he was taken to the locker room and tested for a concussion, but he returned to the game after passing his evaluation. Uh, initially, they they had listed him as questionable. The Dolphins listed him as questionable to return with a head injury. But here's where it gets interesting, because later they stated that a back injury that he suffered earlier in the game caused him to stumble. I'm sorry, I call bullshit. It's you. You don't stumble the way he did because of a back injury. No. He was completely incapacitated. It, it, you know, it, it should it should it should look clear as day. I mean, I know uh, you know Coach McDaniel was talking all about uh, all about an eyeball test and saying, "Oh, our players get hit in the head all the time." It's gross negligence. Uh, not just the league, but also the Dolphins' part. Yeah. And so it's, it's basically the NFL. The, the NFLPA uh, immediately exercised their right to initiate a review of the league's concussion mm-hmm. protocol in response to uh, Tunga Bailoa's quick return to the game. And it, 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 the game hadn't even been over for about five minutes before that uh, that report came out that the NFLPA was going to investigate the uh, the concussion the handling of the concussion protocol. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The the good news is though is that apparently he's feeling a lot better since watch, suffering. Watch a movie of McDaniel. I guess on the on the flight home. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I mean, give me a break, Steve. Did you see what the uh, rookie coach? He looks like he's about 12. Oh, me and Tua, yeah. Tua and I watched a video, a movie on the way home about football. We're all good. He's very cocky. I, you know, I don't like the the he smell is, around. He my is a cocky player. But you know, here's here's the thing. He he believes that now that he probably believes that now he's head coach and. Uh, you know they have they have a team that looks like it could be a contender. Oh, they're I almost they're really, you know, I, I, but but he can't you know stuff like that. If, if you're Vince Lombardi or Pat Riley uh, or any any sport, you can't gloss that over. He's acting like he's uh, you right. know walking on water. 
Yeah. It, you know, it's 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 honestly if if the Miami Dolphins knew that he had a concussion and decided, you know what, we're a contending team, let's you know, let's have him go back out there because we can't afford to lose him. That right there is just disgusting. The yes. fact that, you know, you know, let's turn a blind eye to a potential concussion just because we need him out there because he's better than Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, the good news at least is that he, is, he has been discharged. He flew back to South Florida uh, with the team yesterday. Uh, his initial scans were negative, and Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel confirmed that there was no yeah. further damage uh, beyond his concussion. And currently there is no timetable right now for his return, although he did tweet out that he is feeling a lot better uh, in recent days. And, I mean, McDaniel has been under fire uh, in the days since yeah. for playing Tonga Vailoa, but he insisted yesterday that the Dolphins had followed the league process and that the quarterback was cleared by that independent neurologist. And, you know, he, he, he even went on to say, uh, this is a player-friendly organization, and I make it very clear from the onset that my job here is for the players. I take it very seriously. No one in the building strays from that. If there would have been anything lingering with his head, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself if I prematurely put someone out there and put them in harm's way. Uh, so that right there. And, and and also it says here that uh, Chief Medical Officer Alan Sills did say that Tungavailoa was evaluated for a concussion every day between the Sunday and Thursday games. And uh, the league's concussion protocol states that the same, uh, the same consultant who performs a player's initial test ideally should perform the follow-up evaluations. But a member of the team's medical staff may be allowed to do so if necessary. Uh, it was not immediately known, though, whether or not the now-terminated doctor had performed those follow-up evaluations. But, I mean, you know, to me, it just – maybe this doctor just had no idea what the hell he's doing, even though he's trained to be a doctor. He calls himself a doctor. Yeah, you call yourself a doctor, yet you can't tell uh, if a player is – legitimately concussed or not. Uh, people call me stupid. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, when, when, know, this, people call me, when, when people call me stupid, I, I, I think it's a compliment. <laughs> I you know, get it. I, I'm watching the Mets melt down. I'm sorry for uh, getting off topic. Right. Absolutely unbelievable. And uh, the the thing the thing about this though is that they th- there could have been serious Ooh. serious brain damage done here to uh, to 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 uh, to Vailoa uh, because of the gross negligence of of both the NFL as well as the 
you know, as well as the uh, Miami Dolphins. I would not be surprised if further uh, if further punishment comes down at the hands of the uh, Miami Dolphins. I mean, let's start with you. What do you think? Do you th- what do you think, Lou? Do you think Miami should be held partially liable for this? Uh, I'll put it to you this way: Hell yeah, they knew. I mean, they knew. And how could this doctor not know about the injury? I mean, you know, a doctor, you know, is supposed to check on you know uh, the team, the team patients, and this was just out of complete negligence, or as I like to call it, complete stupidity on their part. So yeah, there's going to be some stiffer penalties on this. What What are your thoughts on this, Alex? Oh, as far as the uh, comeback, the uh, repercussions from Tua. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you think Do you think Miami? Uh, do you think the organization should be held uh, partially liable? Yeah. Have you or me, have Lou, as any of our callers uh, seen this in the last ten or twenty or thirty years? They're absolutely guilty. I've never seen this. They rushed him back in. He's now, I mean, facing a lot of damage, a lot of injury. Yeah, they're absolutely, they're liable. Yeah. They have to be. Who else is? But they don't want to admit that. They got him back in there. Right. He has insurance through them. They're going to be paying that bill. Yeah, and it's it's as Christopher Nowinski put it here, because he had to go through the same thing with the WWE. He had to go through... Uh, I believe he did a whole lawsuit and everything uh, involving the WWE with his concussions. Uh, He said if he has – this was before uh, Thursday night's game. He said if Tua takes the field tonight, it's a massive step back for concussion care in the NFL. If he has a second concussion that destroys his season or career – Everyone involved will be sued and should lose their jobs, coaches mm. included. We all saw it. Even they must know this yep. isn't right. And if anybody, and if anybody would know, he's the one that would know because his, you know, this is a guy whose uh, whose budding wrestling career was ended at the hands of a concussion. Hell, you know, you could look at uh you could look at former Bruin Mark Savard, whose NHL career oh, yeah. was ruined because of a concussion. And when you think about it, this could actually put you know, this could potentially increase uh the potential for Tua to have to deal with CTE following his NFL career. especially with the fact that he probably suffered even more damage than any regular player would suffer with a con- uh, that suffered a concussion. Because I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't think I've heard of any NFL player that has ever played with a concussion while they were That's concussed. my knowledge. Apparently now, though, from what I've read, uh, the NFL is ready to, which this could this could be uh, enacted as early as next week, where if a player shows any signs of instability whatsoever, they will be taken out of the game for the duration of the rest of the game. 
wow. regardless of regardless of even if they're even if they're cleared uh you know if they're even if they're cleared by the uh by the doctor on site if there's any sort of instability whatsoever in any player uh in regards to an injury they will be te- they will basically be ruled out automatically for the rest of the game that's the new rule that may go into effect as early as next week and i think that's which a good was rule. agreed which was agreed on by both the NFL and the NFL Players Association. I think that's a smart move on their part. I mean, you know, the NFL has has always has been talking about wanting to battle, uh, wanting to, you know, protect their players and wanting to battle concussions and avoiding CTE. This is the, this is basically the way to do it. You know, don't. Yes. Have don't have uh, your player your your players uh, don't put them into harm's way basically. All right, what what are your thoughts on that, Alex? Uh, the fact that the NFL, you know, if if you show any signs whatsoever of a concussion or you not play. Or yeah, or any sort, or any sort of injury that uh, would would consider that would consider you unstable. Uh, do, do you think you think it's a good idea that uh, that the NFL Absolutely. is putting this Absolutely. rule into place? I mean, yeah, finally. Well, they have to protect their ass. You see, Junior Seau, uh, Andre Waters. I can name five other, seven other people that you know with the clipboard. Yeah. You know more people than me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, cases of people that died because of this. Uh, it's almost like numb. It really is. Uh, PTSD is no joke. Uh, CTE well, it's, it's all the same thing. Their brain gets traumatized. There's no way they should be uh, playing. If they get hurt, they have to sit out at least for, I mean, let the doctors. Uh, the Miami thing was so egregious. I, I've never seen that before. He was wobbling around, and then he got hit, and it's like you could already see what was coming. So, right. I, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I always say, you know, no one's perfect. I'm, I'm no angel. I would say if the Miami coach is defending it, he should be fired or uh, suspended. They, they should be fined a ton. I mean, they, they almost got the guy killed. So, I mean, where do we go from there? Yeah, I, it was very, it was very traumatizing. You know, obviously it was very traumatizing to Tua, but. Uh, you know, just even watching it, you knew as soon as soon as uh, uh, this is what's weird about it is that he didn't even hit his head when he went when he got brought down to the ground. He didn't even hit his head at all. If anything, he hit his he hit his shoulder or his back, and all of a sudden, you know, he basically his entire body just completely seized up. And we ended up seeing the, uh, you know, the reaction that we ended up seeing. He laid out there for 12 minutes before they finally stretchered him off of the field, before they were able yeah. to uh, to stabilize him and everything. I mean, it just just listening to the tone of Al Michaels' voice said it all. 
you know, this isn't. Uh, it, it was he had. Uh, I, I've said I, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. He had no business being out there. And honestly, I mean, granted, this is very early to be saying this, but he would be he he will be very lucky if he even plays again this season. I don't think he will. I mean, you take a look at you look at Mark Savard of the uh, of the Boston Bruins when he got hit in I forget I think it was 2011 that or maybe it was 2010 I forget I forget which that he suffered the uh, yeah. he suffered the concussion he was out for basically the remainder of the year and also technically he he. He played, I think, maybe a little bit more. Uh, he ended up uh, he ended up giving it another go after about. Let me let me bring up his his profile here real quick here. So he suffered a grade two concussion back in 2010 against the Pittsburgh Penguins after uh, Matt Cook, who is one of the dirtiest players I've ever seen play in NFL uh, or uh, an NHL game. Yeah. Uh, hit him with a shoulder to the head, and the refs didn't even penalize Cook, and the NHL didn't even suspend or fine Cook for the hit. Well, they should. And now, and now because of that hit uh, and the aftermath of it, the NHL was forced to institute a new rule that more heavily penalized blindside hits. Savard uh, missed the first 23 games of the 2010-2011 season because of this, uh, or because of that, and also, uh, you know, he was dealing with post-concussion syndrome during that off season, and then he missed the first 23 games of the next season. Uh, he played for 25 games before he suffered a second concussion at the hands of Matt Hun- uh, former Bruin Matt Hunwick against the Colorado Avalanche. He was then shut down for the season uh, for, after receiving his second concussion in a 10-month span. Uh, luckily, luckily uh, I, believe, I believe he was credited on the Stanley Cup, I think. I think they... they uh, when the Bruins went on to win the Stanley Cup that year, uh, there was a uh, – uh, the, the, the team petitioned the league to include his name on the Cup despite having not played the, number, the required number of games to be automatically included. Uh, he was then shut down for the 2021 tw- – or the, the 2011-2012 season by then-general manager Peter Shirelli. Uh, and basically Peter Shirelli said, based on what I see, what I hear, what I read and what I'm told, it's very unlikely that Mark will ever play again. And that he did. He never played again after that second concussion. So if, if this and you know obviously i think in tua's case in tua's case it may actually be worse 
because of the fact that he could have potentially been playing while still in concussion, while he should have been in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. And yet he still he came he came back out to play against Buffalo, and he played this past Thursday night. I have a feeling, even though because uh, because Mark Savard said that there there are good days when you have a concussion. There are good days and there are bad days. And yeah, yeah. things things may, things may be looking good early on. You know, maybe you may get you may start to feel better early on, but then later on uh, in your recovery you could have potential setbacks. I mean, you know, Savard even said, Savard even said, I couldn't go out for an entire year. I couldn't go, I couldn't step outside for an entire year. That's literally how severe uh, the damage was caused to his brain. So I would be very surprised if, Tunga Vailoa doesn't miss the remainder of the season. And if Miami knew that he was concussed and and basically made it so that uh you know the independent neurologist would pass him so that he could con- he could continue on in in a, in a complete selfish act by the team so that they could continue potentially uh you know, potentially contending for a Super Bowl. Like you, like you said, Alex, every single person involved should be fired mm-hmm. or punished Absolutely. in some sort in some sort of manner. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they are, they have to be held Right. That's yeah, a good they thing need, to do. They I, need to do. Uh, I mean the. They are really good. I like that Waddle, uh, Tyreek Hill. But, yeah, I'm too. To be held accountable. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, care, I don't care how much of a, uh, you know, how, how big of a contender you could potentially be. Uh, you know, I would put it this way. If Josh Allen were to get concussed uh, on the yes. Buffalo Bills, I guarantee you Buffalo would probably put him right there in concussion protocol and would would value his health over contention. If it meant they lose if it meant they lose the season, so be it. But at least they're protecting the health of their player. I don't know if I can say the same thing for the Miami Dolphins here. I don't because think so. it looked it looked very suspicious when he came back out against Buffalo because it wasn't the same Tonga Vailoa that we have seen so far this season. No. But anyways. He he shouldn't have been playing. Yeah, he shouldn't have. Uh, You know, but but anyways, I'm sure there's probably going to be more that's going to come out about this. And when it does come out, obviously we'll discuss it whenever it, uh, whenever it does, but this kind of transitions a little bit over to Mac Jones, who suffered a high ankle sprain. Now granted that's, you know, that's nothing, uh, that's nowhere close to a, to a concussion. 
uh, high ankle sprain, which right. is basically, uh, my understanding is it's a significant tear, uh, even, the, the, even though they don't call it a tear. Uh, they call they call it a uh, you know a uh, a high grade you know a, a a high ankle sprain. Technically, he kind of tore it. So yes. now when I now when I hear that Mac Jones is out there at practice this week and potentially going to play against Green Bay, luckily he was ruled out officially as of yesterday. Yes. But I'm looking at that and saying, obviously, you know, I'm a Patriot fan. And, you know, obviously I want the Patriots to win as much as possible. But I'm I'm looking at all these reports saying that Mac Jones was at practice. And I'm saying, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. You're really, <laughs> you're really going to put hit you're, you're going to put him out there and potentially risk. Maybe, maybe he, he injures it even further and fully tears the, uh, the ligament. And then he ends up having to have surgery and who knows how long he's going to be out for after that. And not just that, but that also an injury like that, if he were to somehow play against Green Bay tomorrow, he he would barely be able to move. I mean, you'd basically be setting him up for maybe a, a potential greater injury with the fact that he wouldn't even be able to properly move in the pocket. I mean, I, you know, seriously... Just some of some of the stuff that is going to potentially come out because of this, uh, you know, because of the tongue of Iloa injury and and everything. I, you know, I think this could potentially change uh, multiple things. Yeah. You know, not just not not just the uh, concussion protocol, but you could you could see something where it'll be like players may not be able to play through injury anymore. Like say, uh, say Russell, you know, Russell Wilson, for example, when he played, uh, when he came back early from that broken finger last year, and we saw how he was basically a shell of his former self and that he never should have, he, that he never should have come back. uh, And that, you know, Seattle should have shut him down for the remainder of the year. We may see something like that, where maybe, maybe part of this new rule will be, if this injury is going to affect a player's ability to play in any sort of way, they can't play for that for the, for as long as uh, as long as they are dealing with that injury. Because I don't think the NFL wants to deal with any more potential liability, especially yeah, no. how especially after how this happened. I mean, what what are your thoughts on, on it, Lou? Do you think that this could potentially open up past concussions? Oh, wait a minute. We just dropped Lou. So let, let me, let me ask, let me send this over to you, Alex. Uh, yeah. Do you think this could open up past concussions? Like maybe we're not just talking concussions. Maybe we're talking about early returns from, from knee injuries or, uh, 
you know, any other sorts of injuries or early returns from, from those type of injuries? Do you think maybe the, uh, these changes could potentially impact those type of returns? Yeah, since I don't think it's the same, though, because concussions are a whole different level. That's brain trauma. Yeah. That's long-term uh, brain damage. That's long-term injury. Uh, knee and ankle, a back, they're obviously bad injuries, but it doesn't compare. Well, obviously, obviously, yeah, but, you know, obviously it doesn't compare to a concussion. But what I'm talking about, like, if they really want to uh, prioritize player safety, you know, yeah. could we potentially oh, see? Probably. You know, uh, and, and the NHL is just scary. It's just dangerous. So, I mean, it, right. if someone gets, you know, hit hit with a puck, those guys, uh, you know, jump over the boards, and two minutes later they – they're they're floating around with a uh, one tooth. They don't care. So it's like a, if you're gonna put the hammer down, it's gonna affect a lot of sports. Right. Yeah. Like league, no, or you. I, yeah, go for it. Well, uh, you know the one th- the one thing I was gonna I was gonna point to was uh, the Zdeno Chara hit on Max Pacioretty back when Pacioretty was still a member of the Montreal oh, Canadiens. Yeah. Uh, Chara had basically thrown him into one of the posts uh, of the in between the bench, in between the bench and the uh, it, it was like the end of the bench and the uh, what's it called um, the lower concourse of the fans or the the lower yeah. uh, portion of the audience where. Basically, Chara ended up throwing throwing him into there, and he ended up suffering a concussion from it. Uh, Pacioretty did, which I believe, if I recall correctly, that kept him out for the entire rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, yeah. let me let me just take a look at that to confirm it. Uh, yeah, so uh, on March eighth of two thousand eleven. Uh, Pacioretty basically collided with the stanchion at the end of the bench, which was that basically that long uh, that long pole. Uh, he was taken off the ice after lying motionless for several minutes. He ended up suffering. Now, granted, uh, he also suffered he suffered a concussion, a severe concussion, but he also suffered a fracture of his fourth cervi- cervical vertebrae. So that was partially the reason as well as to why he was shut down completely. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's so basically. Uh, Pacioretty said that he couldn't he couldn't even remember the incident and how it took place. Uh, however, after seeing the tape, he said that he was disgusted that there was no fine or suspension for Chara. Um, ultimately, though, later on he ended up uh, forgiving Chara for the. Uh, you know, for the, for the incident, but, uh, you know, yeah. essentially uh, both the concussion and the fracture to the C4 vertebrae, which is on the neck, uh, ended up keeping him out for the entire rest of the season. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's injuries like that, that pretty much, it, it it shows just exactly how dangerous sports can be. The fact that those 
type of injuries can happen at any point in time. So, sure. you know, Lou, uh, before before you had gotten disconnected, uh, I was going to ask you. I do. Uh, with the with the NFL's uh, with the NFL's decision to what it looks it looks like what they're going to do is that they're going to uh, greatly improve the uh, safety protocol when it comes to concussions. But do you think that this could do you think that this should extend to other injuries as well? Like for example. Like for, like, for example, with Russell Wilson. Now, granted, no injury is as severe as a concussion. But, like, say right. somebody decides to – like, let's say somebody decides to try and return from a torn ACL earlier than expected. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like say somebody's, somebody suffered a torn ACL and then they're out for the season and then they come back next season, but – they're coming back earlier than expected. Not a good move. You know, they come back earlier than expected. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that you just uh, misjudged a bit. If you're out, I think you should be out for the indefinite period of time. You know, right. I don't until, see how until, until back you're, earlier. Until you're um, legitimately cleared. Yes. Because it's more now, important. Now, you know, Obviously, as Alex said, you know, concu- uh, there's no, there's going to be no injury that will be as severe as a concussion because you can you can recover from from broken bones or uh, or sprains or whatnot, but uh, brain injuries uh, more often than not are permanent. So, however, though I you know I do I do feel though that if the NFL wants to take player safety seriously they may potentially extend that uh extend these changes to other types of injuries as well. But re- you know regardless though uh I mean I just I really hope that uh Tonga Vailoa is able to play again this season. Uh I doubt it. I mean what Alex, do you do you think that we'll, that we may see him again this season, or do you think that uh, Miami's probably going to have to go with Bridgewater for the rest of the year? Yeah, you're not going to see it too again. No way. No way. I, I'm not connected there. I mean, I would be shocked. I would expect uh, yeah. Bridgewater to – and he actually looked pretty good in the grand scheme he of things. Did, yeah. He looked pretty good. I always he like did. him. You know, he's not, I, I don't know. If you're the right people around him, Teddy can do some things. But, yet, I mean, two is talking about, uh, you know, he's, obviously they're they're in love, apparently. He and the uh, the coach looks like he's 12 years old. They're laughing about watching a movie on the, the flight home. Oh, who knows? Right. I mean, what's going on there? I, yeah. I don't even know what's going on in Miami. Here's the thing that I don't get, though. If you're concussed, the last thing you should be doing is watching a movie. Yeah. That's yeah, the last thing out, you should be doing. Fight, having, a, having a cocktail, watching a movie with his brain fried. I, I, you can't make it up. It's just the most deplorable, the weirdest uh, situation I've seen in the NFL. Right. That's, a, you know, that's the last yeah. thing anybody should be doing 
when when having suffered a concussion. I mean, how I'm I'm sure I'm sure Mark Savard wishes he would have been able to do that when he suffered his concussion instead of basically yeah. living in darkness for pretty much the entire year. But uh, so you know, not just that, but also I want to read the injury report from Miami prior to Miami's game against Cincinnati. They listed Tua Tungavailoa as questionable with a back and an ankle injury. I'm sorry, mm. what? Yeah, a back <laughs> and an ankle injury. Somebody's messed up here. It's like you guys. It's like you guys have completely dismissed. The, well, they, 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 they the did everything possible. Not, not that. Yeah, they did everything possible not to suggest the one thing with the capital B, brain, brain injury. Yeah, back ankles, knees. Yeah, it sounded like a guy grabbing a 40 in the hood. My back, my neck. No, his actual injury was the brain. <laughs> you better respect right. it. My back and my neck. Give me a 40 though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, it, that right there, it, it just screams out to me. That the the dolphin definitely knew that he had a brain injury, and I don't care I don't care all of the excuses that Mike McDaniel gave during his press conferences this this uh, this week. You don't stumble like Tua did because of a back or an ankle injury. You just don't. He literally that 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 type of stumble was somebody who had no sense of their motor. Fun, you know, he had no sense of of his uh, uh, coordination. Basically, like he had no idea. That's the stumble of somebody who has no idea where they are. There, there's no question. He was absolutely. Absolutely punished uh, mentally, as you know, brain wise. He should not have been close to a football field. Exactly. So the fact that they Uh, had him listed as questionable to a mess right now. You know, just the fact that they had him questionable with a back and ankle injury is laughable. Yes. At that, at this point, and actually, you know, you know what? Since since you mentioned the Mets. I'm like, yeah, Poo, Poo, I, I, I was wondering if Pujols had hit 702 tonight, but he didn't. He did go one for two, though. But he's at uh, 701 now, so. Yeah, he's at 701 now, which, you, you know what, Lou? I, I'm still very surprised. Like I said earlier uh, earlier today uh, to you, I, I am very surprised that a guy like Pujols, at the age of 42, is still hitting – 20 homer season, 20 homers or more in yeah. a season. I think you should now, reconsider, I think you should reconsider our next uh, retiring. He's still got, he's still got it in him. I don't think you should, I don't think you should leave the game yet. Yeah, I mean, he should, he should at least consider it because yeah, one more year. Because he's what 13 away, he's 13 away from Babe Ruth. Yeah. So, 
I mean, obviously he probably – I don't know if he will ca- if he would catch Hank Aaron if he played two more years, but he'd be able to catch Ruth at least. Sure. So, you know, it's it, – I just I, – I, 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 I'm still surprised at the fact that, uh, you know, that Albert Pujols has – at the age, at the age of forty two, that he's still able to put up those type of numbers. Yeah, and you want to call it quits, mm. right? Now, uh, as far as around the league, though, we do have uh, some games that are actually kind of about to be done. Uh, the Cardinals are whipping the Pirates thirteen to three in the top of the ninth, so that game is pretty Mets, much nearing Mets its conclusion. Mets are down to the last strike. Here we go. Yep. Four, uh, yep four to two. Pitching to uh, Luis Galarme. Two outs, one and one. Bottom of the ninth, uh, four to two Atlanta. Yeah, four to two. Uh, Milwaukee. Oh, Mets, Mets, are, uh, Mets are choking. Like it, the Mets <laughs> love to choke, and they're choking again. Oh, and not, you know, not just that, but also that will decide who actually leads the division. One, two. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, kind kind of a kind of a big deal exactly because uh, one will lead the division and one will go into the wild card uh, for the time being. Yeah, we're uh, temperamental. Jake can uh, complain about Degrom can complain about blisters and uh, leaving free agency. He's acting like a total punk. I'm sorry, Steve. He gave up three bombs last night to Atlanta. They were up one game. Now they're tied. Now they're about to lose. And Degrom was complaining Jesus. after the game. Oh, I'm hurt. I mean, Degrom, when are you not hurt? I love the guy. Obviously, he's yeah. great, but, like, enough's enough. How many pieces do you need? Right. Yeah, and It seems like he's injured uh, quite a lot more in recent years yeah. than, he, than he's actually healthy. Yeah. I mean, I love the guy, but, I mean, show me the money. It, oh, right. game over. Braves win. Strikeout. So there Braves we go. Four oh, to now, now Atlanta takes uh, takes sole possession of uh, of Atlanta the NL East. First place. Oh, people, told people, people told me all. People told me all summer, Alex. You know, we're up what ten games, eight games, seven games. Oh, it's all fun. They said no, it's coming. Now here we go. They were right. I was and now wrong. they can take. And now they can take a commanding lead, depending on what happens in tomorrow's game. They yeah, they could yep. potentially look at locking up the division. Who would have thought just a few months, you know, just like uh, last They're month, the Mets, were, the Mets were still in control, and, you know, they were up by, you know, uh, five, six games, a lot of ground to make up, and what happened? They choked. Now the now the Braves are taking over first place. Unreal. Yep. Yep, and uh, also elsewhere in the uh, in the league, the Milwaukee Brewers are holding a slim three to two lead over the Miami Marlins. But uh, the Marlins do have a runner on first with no outs in the top of the ninth. So we will see where that goes with Milwaukee. But I believe Milwaukee is they're a half game back actually of the wild card. So that could have huge implications, especially if. Uh, a team like Philadelphia, for example, who's barely struggling to hang on to their uh, to their playoff hopes. 
some other scores from around the league. The LA Angels with a slim one nothing lead over the Texas Rangers in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, for LA and Colorado, they are both tied at one apiece in the top of the fourth. Actually, Colorado just tied it up uh, in mm. this inning. Uh, some finals from earlier today, the Washington Nationals with a 13-4 to demolishing of the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez picked up the win while Kyle Gibson uh, suffered the loss. Gibson dropped to 10-8 and on the year. Uh, oh, actually, there was a double. So there was a doubleheader. Uh, Philly then took game two with a win by Noah Syndergaard, 8-2, uh, to two, and the loss went to Tommy Romero. The save went to Christopher Sanchez for the Phillies. The Yankees uh, shut out the Orioles earlier today, 8 to nothing, with Nestor Cortez improving to 12-4, and four, while Austin Voth dropped to 5-4. and four. The Cubbies got a 2-1 to one victory over the Cincinnati Reds with Wade Miley picking up the win, improving the 2-2. Two and two. The loss went to Derek Law, 2-3, and three, while Brandon Hughes picked up his eighth save of the season. The Toronto Blue Jays made a mockery of Boston pitching with a 10 to nothing shutout victory today. Ross Stripling picking up the win, improving to 10-4. and four. The loss went to rookie Brian Bellow, who fell to 2-8. and eight. Although a lot, of those, a lot of those losses are not technically his fault. Some of them are, mm-hmm. but not, a, not all of them. Uh, Dre Jameson picked up the win for the Arizona Diamondbacks, in, in, uh, improving to 3-0 and oh on the year. With an 8-4 victory over the San Francisco Giants, the loss went to Jacob Junis, who fell to 5-7. and seven. The, the surging Seattle Mariners, with a 5-1 to one victory over the Oakland Athletics, Luis Castillo improved to 8-6, and six, while Adam Aller – wait. Is that an I? No, that's an, that's an L. Uh, Adam Aller fell to 2-8 and eight on the year. You know, that's another team, too, Seattle. I mean, who would have imagined that Seattle would finally break their drought? Yeah, well, I mean, and they're fine. a team of destiny, I think. They have, they have great young pitching. I know, um, you know, very briefly, early on Lou's show, I mentioned, but they have really good arms. you got Robbie Ray. Yeah. You have uh, Castillo from the Reds. Now you got, hey, let's, let's call it spade a spade. They probably they got two aces right there, and then Logan Gilbert I love, and uh, Kirby from uh, Westchester is doing awesome. They, I mean, pitching wins. They need Rodriguez back, but they have uh, Winker. They have um, damn, I can name three or four really good bats. They have a decent team. Mm-hmm. Uh, bats offense has always been the trouble with Seattle, but at least now they have pitching. Hey, if you're gonna win three two, I'd rather win than lose. So they're 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 moving on. Yep, and you know what? I would not be surprised at all if in a potential wild card matchup, if I, I think they could potentially take Tampa. Yankees? I don't know. Oh, yeah, Tampa. What's the I matchup they there? Take Is it Tampa, Tampa uh, Seattle? Uh, you know, I don't know because there's three wild then cards. Then the winner, the so winner plays uh, Yankees? No, the winner the, – so basically there would be two – wait a minute. No, how would it go? Huh. 
Hang on. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of how it would go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let me look at the. Wait a minute. MLB playoffs. 2002 or 2022. Let's see. Okay, so the playoff bracket would go like this. So, obviously, uh, for the American League, the number one seed right now is the Houston Astros. The number two seed is the New York Yankees. Uh, Wild card series, we would see Cleveland, who clinched the AL Central, taking on the number six Tampa Bay Rays, Uh, which actually, I think number six is now Seattle, actually, not Tampa. and then you would see the Blue Jays take on the Mariners. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I think the winners, obviously the winners of those two. Oh, wait a minute. What is the, so wait a minute. What is the series? Hang on. So wait a minute. Is the wild, uh, I thought the, the wild card was, was usually a, uh, was a one game, a one game series. Have they changed that? Yes, they have. Should be one and done. No, it, it, it's not. It's not one and done now. It's now three games. Still three. Yeah. So best. So best two out of three. Uh, the wild card series, as they stand right now, will be Cleveland against Tampa and Toronto against Seattle. And for the National League, it would be St. Louis against Philly. And at well now New York against San Diego. So let me see how let me see how this would go. So okay, uh, so it says the number one and two seeds will get buys into the division series. The other yep. four teams square off in a new three-game wild card series, wow. replacing the one-game uh, the one-game showdown. Uh, and the better seed will be the uh, will be the host of the wild card series. The division winner with the worst record will be the number three seed, and the host and they will host the number six seed. Uh, the winner of that series will go on to face the number two seed, regardless of which team comes out on top. So we could potentially see the number two seed Yankees face off against the number three seed. Uh, you know, Cleveland Guardians potentially in the divisional Maybe. round. And the two wow. best wild cards, the two best wild cards would face each other. So number four and number five would face each other. And the winner of that series would then go on to face the top seeded Houston Astros. And the division series remains the same, best of five, and the uh, ALCS, NLCS, and the World Series remain best of seven. Uh, with the team holding the higher seed, wielding home field advantage by hosting games one, two, six, and seven. And it says that ties will be settled by the team's head-to-head record. If that is also a tie the league will go through a 
procession of other in-season records to find a winner, starting with intra-division records. So there is no more hundred. There's no more game 163 anymore. Good. So with that being said, you know it's uh, it's obviously very crucial now to win as many games as uh, obviously it's crucial every single season, but it's even more crucial now if you're in a wild card spot to win as much as possible. Like literally you cannot afford to throw away any games. Uh, some of the other finals from earlier today, the Kansas city Royals with a seven to one victory over the Cleveland guardians, Chris Bubich with the win, improving to three and 13 Zach Plesak with the loss falling to three and 12. The, Detroit Tigers with a 3-2 to two victory over the Minnesota Twins. We got Daniel Norris yeah. picking up the win, improving to 2-4. and four. And Ronnie Henriquez falling to 0-1 with the save, going to Andrew Chafin, his second of the year. Uh, St. Louis, that just became official, 13-3. Uh, to three. Uh, Jordan Montgomery picks up the win, improving to 9-6. and six. And the loss goes to Luis Ortiz, who falls to 0-2. Uh, the Astros beat Tampa Bay today 2-1. Christian Javier improving to 11-9. Jane McClanahan falling to 12-8. and And Ryan Presley picks up his 32nd save of the year. And obviously, uh, as we know, the, uh, the Braves beat the Mets. And the particular stats for that, Kyle Wright improved to 21-5. and while Max Scherzer fell to 11-5 and five with Kenley Jansen save number 39 of the season. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much going to be a tight finish um, yeah. moving up here. It looks like pretty much the American League is, is basically decided. Uh, the, only, the only difference is where teams are going to be seeded. But uh, the Yankees have clinched the East. The Guardians clinched the Central, and the West was clinched long ago by the Astros. So basically, it's just the wild card seedings with uh, Seattle, Toronto, and Tampa Bay basically separated by three games. So uh, over in the National League, though, the National League, there's still a little bit of jockeying for position over there. Uh, The National League East, you could potentially see Atlanta – New York and Philly all in the playoff picture. Uh, Atlanta and New York are are a definite for the playoffs. The only question is whether or not Philly will be able to hang on to the wild card. Uh, St. Louis, they have clinched the central. Milwaukee is still clinging on their hopes of potentially getting into the wild card picture. Uh, San Diego holds. Uh, one of the wild card spots, and LA has clinched the West a long time ago. So it's still a pretty open uh, picture when it comes to the National League. Yes, in terms of uh, in terms of the wild card. By the way, we are on a potential upset alert here for yep. the Georgia Bulldogs. 22 to 19 right now for Missouri. Wow. 
with about 9.25 to go in the fourth quarter. So a 2-2 two and two team could potentially upset the uh, who many consider the favorite to potentially repeat as uh, NCAA champions this year. Well, I don't by think... the way, this – go ahead, Lou. Yeah, wait, uh, wait. repeat the question. Well, what, what, what were you about to say? No, I, I forget. Go ahead. Okay, well, I, I literally had just seen this, actually. Uh, this was reported about a little bit before uh, we went on the air here. But apparently an Indonesian soccer match riot and a stampede yeah. has left more <laughs> than 120 dead. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to laugh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, I it, just says saw here, that. Pan, it says there was panic said, at an Indonesian soccer match. Huh? No, it says that was like a, a, a. I don't know what that was. I'm sorry that I laughed. That's terrible. It is. Yeah. It uh, apparently police fired tear gas to stop brawls in the stands. Mm. And uh, so that basically caused a huge panic uh, at an Indonesian soccer match, uh, which left a hundred. Steve, Steve, sorry, start that again. What, what prompted the whole thing? What started the whole thing? Uh, police apparently fired tear gas into the stands. So that'll do it. Which uh, basically panic ensued. Uh, involving a whole lot of trampling of people, and it left 129 people dead. Uh, There were several fights Mm. between supporters of the two rival soccer teams that were playing uh, in in the East Java province's Malang City after the Indonesian Premier League game ended with Persibaya Surabaya beating Arima Malang by a score of three to two and the brawls that broke out just after the game ended prompted riot police to fire tear gas into the stands, which then caused panic amongst, uh, amongst the uh, supporters. Uh, It said hundreds of people ran to an exit gate in an effort to avoid the tear gas. Some suffocated in the chaos and others were trampled, killing 34 people almost instantly. More than 300 were rushed to nearby hospitals to treat injuries, but many died on the way and during treatment, according to a, uh, according to a spokesperson yeah. for the East Java Police. Uh, he also said that the death toll is likely still increasing since many of about 180 injured victims' conditions were deteriorating as of the report, which was around 8.30 Eastern, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the Indonesian top league, uh, BRI Liga 1, has suspended games for a week following the match, and an, ind- and, and an investigation has been launched, according to the Football Association of Indonesia. Um, it's going stupid. And it says here that there have been previous outbreaks of trouble at matches in Indonesia with a strong rivalry between clubs, sometimes leading to violence amongst supporters. 
I would have never I would have never guessed there was ever any uh crazy robbery going on there. Yeah, I know. It's you know, it's very it's very surprising because you normally don't hear about soccer in other areas of the world except for, no. you know, uh obviously over in England and over in the UK overseas. Obviously soccer is a huge a huge sport. Uh, it, it almost it almost sounds as brazen as, as uh as uh Yankee Red Sox except now they can yeah. yeah. smoke then it's going really uh another stage. Right, yeah. It's uh you know, it's 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 basically the uh my understanding is uh the two teams, the battle between the two teams, it, it was basically Indonesia's version of Yankees versus Red Sox. Yes, for their for their uh, sport of soccer. Uh, we do have some NHL news. Uh, Ducks defenseman Erho Vakanainen, who w- they had previously acquired in the Hampus Lindholm trade w- with the Boston Bruins uh, last season. Crashed into the boards in the first period of their preseason game last night against the San Jose Sharks, and he ended up having to leave on a stretcher. Uh, It says here that uh, the Finnish defenseman was conscious and alert with full movement in his extremities uh, when he was checked into the UCI Medical Center. Uh, the frightening incident had had occurred midway through the opening period when Vakaninen smashed into the boards at a dangerous speed behind the shark's net. Uh, he appeared to be concentrating on the pass that he had just made to Derek Grant, who had scored the Ducks' opening goal on the assist. And uh, obviously, his teammates came onto the ice and gathered around him as he was taken away on the stretcher. Uh, but he was previously acquired from the Boston Bruins last March in the deal that sent longtime Ducks defenseman Hampus Lindholm over to the Bruins. And he was attempting to win a top-six role on Anaheim's defense this fall after he recorded two assists in 14 games for the Ducks last season. And... You know the one the one thing I do I do have to say about this is that this actually could be a pretty big loss for Anaheim because he fin- it, it sort of seemed like when he was playing with Boston he was finally starting to get adjusted to being a NHL defenseman. So, ob- you know, obviously when he officially got traded to Anaheim, it was kind of a shocker for Boston fans. But I mean, you know, obviously Boston fans don't mind the. Uh, you know, the exchange because we ended up getting a defenseman like Campus Lindholm uh, in the deal. But this could be a pretty significant loss for an Anaheim team that's looking to, that's looking to rebuild. And he was potentially being looked at as one of their defensemen of the future. So depending on, on how long he may be out for, uh, it could severely put put a uh, dent in his uh in his development up in the uh up in yeah, the I NHL. Think so. Now uh we do so we do have some scores from earlier today. Uh obviously the NHL preseason is officially underway. Uh they're about halfway through with about I think four games remaining 
after today. Uh, four games remaining on the schedule for each team. Uh, the Boston Bruins blanked the Philadelphia Flyers today by a score of four to nothing with Mark McLaughlin and John Beecher scoring the uh, scoring two goals apiece for the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Uh, some games that are still underway: the Edmonton Oilers and Winnipeg Jets are tied at two apiece with 8:50 remaining to go in the third period. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings with a one to nothing lead over the Chicago Blackhawks with about 12 minutes to go in the third. Uh, the Vancouver the Vancouver Canucks and the Seattle Kraken are tied beginning the Kraken. second period at zero at a at a scoreless game. Uh, some final some other finals from earlier today: the Buffalo Sabers with a three to one victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sabres are having a pretty strong uh, preseason, three and one so far uh, on the preseason. Yeah, now, obviously, though. Yeah, obviously, it's you know it's the preseason. Preseason, you can't really. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not really anything people to go always, on. But people always think that you know that the preseason is going to have a bearing on your regular season. Far from it. I mean, you could be you know five and one in the regular season, and you can end up oh. Uh, it's uh fifteen and seven in the regular season. Yeah, but at the at the same time though, Lou, you you you're able in the preseason to get a look at okay, who may gel well with right, with uh course. with certain, you know, which lines may gel well together. Uh, you know, who could potentially get a get a promotion? Like maybe they were on the third line last year and they're trying to. They're trying to show that they're capable of being a second line or maybe a first line player. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's a way to basically, you know, show the team that you're ready to take a uh, to take a bigger step forward this this season. Yeah. And for many players, you know, for many uh, players that are looking to just make. Uh, potentially make the NHL roster for maybe the fir- for maybe their first season. Uh, it's you know it's a huge deal because if you can show that you can at least contribute in some sort of fashion and you and and you look like you can actually play out yeah. there with with the big boys uh, that maybe perhaps like say uh, say Uri Slavkovsky who the Canadians just drafted uh this year you know if he goes out there and shows that that during these uh preseason games that he can hang with the big boys uh mm-hmm. you know maybe perhaps maybe perhaps uh they won't send him back down to his junior team and he'll end up starting the season with the Canadiens yes but uh, some other scores from around the league: uh, the Carolina Hurricanes four to three victory over the Florida Panthers; the uh, Ottawa Senators five to four victory over the Montreal Canadiens in overtime; the Columbus Blue Jackets two to one over the Washington Capitals; and the Dallas Stars with a five to two victory over the St. Louis Blues. And. Not to mention, you know, not not just uh, the NHL, but we do also have the NBA uh, starting yeah. things back up officially uh, with preseason ga- preseason action taking place. 
just earlier tonight, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Milwaukee Bucks 106 to 102. And obviously, you know, we're not going to be seeing the uh, we're not we're not going to be seeing the the big name players playing early in the preseason. Those will probably be more later on. However, though, we do have some news to report uh, with the NBA. Uh, Veteran free agent Blake Griffin uh, has finally joined the Celtics on a one-year deal. Now, I say finally because this was, uh, you know, this was a dream for Celtics fans a couple of years ago when it was rumored (laughs) that Blake Griffin. Yeah, a couple of knees ago. Yeah, when it, when it was uh, when it, when it was rumored that Blake Griffin would go to Boston instead of signing with Brooklyn, ultimately he ended up signing with Brooklyn. But Boston was rumored to be a destination as well. Uh, and at the time, you know, the Celtics were starving for front court help, and obviously Griffin would have been uh, would have been able to provide that assistance. However, with the news that uh, the Time Lord, uh, Robert Williams III, would have to uh, undergo knee surgery. Uh, That basically left Boston's front court depth very thin with obviously Al Horford and Grant Williams would be be starters. So apart from them, pretty much their next backup is Luke Cornett. Which I mean, let's face it, Cornette is not a guy you're gonna—he's not a guy you're gonna want as your first option off the bench for big men. Uh, but I know—I know, Lou, you don't like this deal, as you said on, uh, as as you as you said earlier today. Um, but I got to tell you, you know, I actually like this deal, even though Griffin. Okay posted uh even though griffin posted C, uh career lows last year 6.4 points and 4.1 rebounds uh in his second season in brooklyn the the main thing about this signing is all they need is somebody who can eat minutes somebody who can provide minutes off the bench and you know somebody who can actually defend the five out there, which I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, the other option here was Carmelo Anthony, and I I haven't seen Melo defend ever in his career. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think about so, uh, I think in I think in junior high school, uh, Melo defended a, a parking cone. That's the only proof of him ever uh, defending anything. So it, you know it's. If if your decision is between Blake Griffin and Carmelo Anthony, I'm sorry, you know, Melo may have the better stats, but I'm going with Blake Griffin because at least he provides depth off the bench instead of Luke Cornett, who would be the uh, the only other option with uh, with uh, Melifonwu being a two-way deal, which basically limits him to the amount of games that he would be able to play. Uh, yeah. But at least Griffin, you know, provides uh, veteran, you know, veteran leadership off of the bench. And plus he can, 
you know, the times that he did get to play last year, he did show he can st- he can still shoot from three. So, yeah, it, he he definitely fits in to uh, to Boston's system with what they're looking for from shooters. And plus, he can defend, which is definitely definitely a plus for a team that was uh, that was among the top uh, in the league in terms of de- in terms of team defense last year. But I, you know, Lou, Lou, what are you, what are your thoughts on on uh, on Blake Griffin? I mean, obviously, you know, it's it is a bit of a loss for uh, for Brooklyn not having him come off the bench. But Yeah. What do you, you know for, for, for You know, for for, for a guy who for, for a for a guy who's on the tail end of his career, you know, he turned 33, which honestly for big men, once they once they hit their 30s, you're you're basically on you're you're going the wrong direction basically. Yeah. So uh, you know, for somebody like Blake Griffin, though, who is, you know, his career is starting to wind down. He played significantly less minutes per game last year uh, compared yeah. to compared to his first season with Brooklyn, between Brooklyn and Detroit. Uh, he only played about 17.1 minutes per game last year. And... You know, it, it it seems like he he would be he would definitely be a very serviceable backup yeah. for a guy who you're just you're just looking to provide valuable minutes, uh, you know, to give your starters rest. I mean, I, Alex, what are your thoughts on Blake Griffin joining the Celtics? Do you think do you think it's a fit for uh, for a team that's looking for for a big help? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's he's uh, he's serviceable. Okay, I'll give him I'll give him fifteen minutes a night. He was kind of not buried, but he was not getting regular minutes for the Nets, and the Nets needed help. They drummed and a couple of the guys. So we're not gonna, you know, you're not waiting on uh, the next savior to come in. He's serviceable. He can give you a, a couple minutes backup. He's got no vertical anymore. Right. I think it's a shot. I do agree, though. I I would not go with Mello. Mello's totally shot, and and he doesn't play any defense, and he he loses the ball. I mean, Blake could give you, you know, five and five, 15, 20 minutes a night. Right. And you know that. I mean, did they bring back uh, Tice? I mean, Uh, a guy like Daniel Tice, I would – I think Tice, Tice is better is still than uh, Griffin right now. Oh, I I agree. I think Tice is uh I think Tice is definitely is better than Griffin right now. Uh, but I think yeah. he's still with uh I think he's still with Indiana right now. Okay, change the world, but yeah, serviceable. I mean, I give him yeah. you know ten or fifteen and, minutes. And that's all. That's all they need. You know, it's it's not yeah. like they signed him. It's not like they signed him to be, you know, to be a replacement. He's in there just yeah. to, just to fill up some time until Time Lord is able to return, 
And once Time Lord returns, then obviously Grant Williams will probably go will probably come off of the bench, which I mean, yeah, we'll probably see Blake Griffin's uh we'll probably see Blake Griffin's minutes start to decline after that. But you know, at least yeah. at least he'll he he'll provide I'll put it this way, he'll provide more defense than Carmelo would 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 ever bring yeah. to the picture. Yeah, I mean that's all you can hope for so, right now. I mean they're tough spot, so they have to regroup and you know, you know, right. readjust and do the best you can. You know, you're not going to add a, a sudden uh, power forward or center right now. So, right, I'd, I'd be interested to see again if if they move Marcus Smart, they could probably add someone else. Awesome, but they're not going yeah. to. We'll see. Possibly, I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll do it now, especially with, uh, you know, with the with the injury to uh, to Robert Williams. I mean, the fact the fact is they're already strapped towards the cap as it is. So, I mean, the the fact the fact that they could only they could only sign uh, Griffin to the veteran minimum. I mean, t- that tells you that right there. But they do have the opportunity, though. They have a couple of uh, traded player exceptions that are still remaining. Uh, they don't have the Fournier uh, traded player exception because they felt right. after getting Malcolm Brogdon, there was no need to use that. Right. Uh, but they do have some player exceptions left that they could use if they feel they need choir uh, some extra help. Mm-hmm. Now with uh with the signing of Griffin though they they did officially waive uh former first round pick Denzel Valentine uh off of the team. So he is no longer with the team. Uh Griffin is right. and it should yeah, it should be uh it should be very interesting uh this season. Yeah. Especially you know, I I almost wonder if we could potentially see him doing twenty, maybe twenty five minutes a night, especially with the fact that Al Horford yeah. is older. Uh, yeah. And honestly, you know, with Grant Williams, I don't know if Boston fully trusts Grant Williams being out there uh, for extended length, extended periods of time, because. He is kind of undersized, depending on what they decide to do. If they decide to make Williams play the four or the five, or if they'll have Horford play the five, uh, Williams and uh, you know honestly Griffin isn't isn't that much taller uh, either. So no. I don't know. You know I don't know what they're gonna do. What they're gonna do with Williams, but. Uh, with Grant Williams, I should say, but the addition of Blake Griffin will at least provide a little bit more experience off the bench to where, you know, they won't have to be going to these guys like Luke Cornett uh, to try and get uh, valuable minutes from him when they can get minutes from a guy, from a former all-star like Blake Griffin. Yes. Yeah, it's so, tough though. I mean, Blake is not what he used to be. No. Oh, so no. you know, no, obviously not. You can't expect him to, you know, play twenty-five. Even I, I would say twenty minutes as a cap. He does not look good yeah. that good. I mean, 
Like Steve Nash couldn't coach his way out of a uh, wet paper bag. Paper bag. And he, so I mean, granted, I mean, maybe a good coach would have played him more. I mean, uh, Blake Griffin was nailed to the end of the bench most of his tenure yeah. in Brooklyn. So I don't. He was better. If we expect him to uh, suddenly uh, get two new knees, do we expect him to suddenly resurrect and become awesome uh, two hours away, yeah. or you know, down the pike in Boston? No. I, I think no. he's kind of shot. But uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I, I he's a better option. Tonight. Ten tonight. Yeah, he's a better option than Drummond. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Dr- yeah, no, I Drummond the last year. Last season in the playoffs, the the, the, the Celtics absolutely abused Drummond. Oh yeah, he's a turnstile. They and when when Griffin came in, they started having problems with Griffin. So he, he's a lot more, you know, he's a lot more serviceable than somebody like Drummond. Oh yeah, I agree with that. By the way, it looks like Georgia has officially survived. Uh, they have won. Looks like it's twenty-six to twenty-two over oh, Missouri. So, so Georgia remains number one, uh, more than likely, unless they decide to give it to Alabama after seeing how hey, Georgia hey, struggled hey. against Missouri. I don't know. But uh, some other NBA news, the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, they signed center Stephen Adams to an extension, a uh, multi-year extension. Uh, terms of the deal were not disclosed. Uh, he did average 6.9 points per game and set career highs uh, with averages of 10 rebounds and 3.4 assists over 76 games last season with the Grizzlies. Uh, which was his first season following a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, obviously, Memphis last year posted the second best record in the NBA uh, with a 56 and 26 record, which tied the franchise record and earned the Grizzlies the Southwest Division Championship, their first division title in franchise history. Uh, however, though, Adams led the NBA last season with 349 total offensive rebounds and 4.6 offensive rebounds per game, which actually broke Memphis's single-season franchise records previously set by Zach Randolph during the, 20, or the 2009-2010 season. And he also helped Memphis top the league with 18.6 second-chance points per game, which was the highest mark by any NBA team since the league began tracking the stat uh, in the 1996-1997 season. So, obviously, I don't know what the terms of the deal were, but... uh, I think it's a necessary. It's probably it's probably a necessary uh, extension for uh, for the Grizzlies, yeah. considering the fact that I don't think I don't think they really even have uh, any other big man that's uh, no. you know that's good enough to be their starting center. No, I mean that, that's their guy. They have to stick with him. Yeah. 
And by the way, I did I did find the uh, I did find it according to Adrian Wojnarowski, uh the terms are two years twenty five point two million dollars. So uh they now have him signed through the two the twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five season officially. Wow. Uh, also, uh, Larry Nance Jr. officially agreed to a two-year, $21.6 million extension with the New Orleans Pelicans earlier today, I according to Adrian done. Wojnarowski. That, uh, he and would that Oh, I agree. Larry Nance, a great uh, versatile defender, long, lean, rim runner. I mean, yeah, he's he's a little bit earlier Blake. Obviously, Blake was much better back in the day, but yeah. Nance is a nice one. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, he his name actually came up in trade rumors during his time with Cleveland. And people were looking potentially at him as being a trade target for the Celtics uh, the past couple of years before ultimately he ended up joining Portland and then New Orleans last year. But, yeah. They, well, they, uh, as you know, Steve, they, uh, as you know, Steve, they, uh, for whatever reason, Portland included him with the uh, CJ deal. I love Nance. Uh, he played uh, like 20 games for Portland. He looked great. Yeah, six nine. He runs the court. He plays defense. I mean, sign me up. Yeah, I would. I, I I agree. I would. I would definitely be on board if I if if I had the opportunity for Larry Nance Jr. to join the Celtics, I would be absolutely yeah. on board because. That's the type of uh, that big man that you're that uh, you would be looking for. Plus, he's 29 years yes. old. Well, I guess I guess can you re- well? He is kind of undersized actually for a big man. Only six foot seven. But I guess you know that uh, you know that that means that he can actually be a little more versatile with his. Uh, with his uh, play style, but he's listed as a power forward slash center, uh, six foot seven, two hundred and forty-five pounds, and he is actually a, he is a former first-round pick, twenty-seventh uh, overall uh, by the Lakers back in twenty fifteen. So he he does have first-round talent. For some reason, you know he 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 just he's never really established himself as a full-time starter. I mean, yeah, he's started uh, multiple games over the years, but he's never established himself officially in the league as a full-time starter. But he would be very serviceable off of the bench. I mean, last season he played about uh, anywhere from twenty-three, anywhere from 20 to 23 minutes per game between New Orleans and Portland. So, um yeah, he would definitely. Uh, I, 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 I honestly, I probably would have preferred him over Blake Griffin if he was available. Yeah, I think But now, obviously, of course, uh, he his contract now runs through the twenty twenty four twenty twenty five season, so he's locked up for the foreseeable future. Uh, however. Over to the Pacers. Apparently, there is a report coming out from ESPN's Zach Lowe that states that 
the Pacers would probably trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner to the Lakers for two unprotected first-round picks. Now, previous reports had indicated that the Pacers wouldn't be interested in this deal, but now Zach Lowe apparently is saying otherwise. Yeah. And there's also a rumor that maybe perhaps Russell Westbrook's contract could potentially be involved as well. But only if the Lakers would be willing to give up those two unprotected first round picks. Hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know about you, Lou, or you, Alex, but I think the addition of Heald and Turner drastically improve the Lakers' outlook for this upcoming season. Well, I don't know. I mean, because they did it last year. Who knows? They're not getting Buddy Hill. What what are they giving up? They're not getting it for him. How's it going to happen? It would be be two unprotected first-round picks, is what, according to this report. And maybe, right. if anything, if anything, maybe they would see if the Pacers would take on Russell Westbrook's contract. Yes, still here. Still doing Yes. So basically, it would essentially the full trade would essentially be Westbrook and two first-round picks unprotected for mm-hmm. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Okay. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know about you guys, but. I, I think that that would definitely be a lot more uh, a lot more palatable option for the Lakers than yes. for them to go into the season with their roster as it stands. And also, this would open up the opportunity for Isaiah Jackson to uh, step up into a mm-hmm. starting role for the Pacers, as the Pacers would probably buy out Russell Westbrook's contract if they were to acquire Westbrook. Uh, Also around the league, the Phoenix Suns have reportedly been shopping forward Jay Crowder. Uh, Brian Windhorst has, uh, has also said he had said the same thing back in August, but now apparently, uh, Crowder had been part of Phoenix's talks to try and acquire Bohan Bogdanovich. And uh, all indications on social media from Crowder have been that he will not be a member of the, uh, of the Phoenix Suns next season. Hmm. Yeah, they're, they're crying a river. <laughs> okay. See ya. Yeah, they are. What is he? Uh, okay, so you re- okay? Cool. They're a great team. They don't need him. That's fine. Are you only make uh, twenty million a year? Yeah. Sorry about that. Right. Move on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, only do, twenty million uh, a year. You know, I Boy, I, he going slow? I can't. I can't. I can't believe I forgot about this. But uh, you know, when we were talking about the playoffs, I should have mentioned this. Uh, effective today, actually. The Canadian government dropped the COVID-19 vaccine requirement for people who enter yeah. Canada. So, I mean, talk about huge implications for the sport of Major League Baseball as teams have had to contend all year with placing unvaccinated players on the restricted list 
before mm-hmm. any series that they had in Toronto. And now, uh, with with the postseason coming around, you know, you're now looking at uh, at teams no longer having to have the that kind of shackle around them yes. if they end up having to face Toronto. I mean that's a that you know that's honestly a pretty big deal. Uh, consider when when you consider uh, you know I'll go back to Boston uh, from this past from this season. Boston could have potentially had a better shot if uh, Tanner if Tanner Houck, who was unvaccinated at the time, if he was allowed to travel with them to Toronto, uh, this was around the time when he was hot out of the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they they could have potentially kept some of those games relatively close if they were able to bring him out of the bullpen instead of him having to stay in the States because he was unvaccinated. Uh, elsewhere, Tony La Russa will not return to manage the White Sox this season. And no. uh, in, in particular, uh, he's been directed by his doctors not to return after undergoing additional testing and medical procedures over the last week. Uh, So Miguel Cairo uh, has been serving as Chicago's acting manager for the remainder of the season. And from all indications, it sounds like La Russa may not even be back next year either. Yeah. So I think you know I think it's safe to say you know at the age of seventy seven you would have to think that his career is winding down. I would think so, especially at that age. I mean, you you would you know how could somebody <laughs> still be managing at the age of seventy seven? But ah. Uh, also, as if uh, you know, we were talking about CTE earlier earlier in this uh, in this show tonight. Uh, Antonio Brown, the latest uh, incident involving him, apparently he exposed himself to hotel guests at a swimming pool in a video that leaked onto social media earlier today. Oh, what an idiot! Yep. And and they say CTE isn't real. <laughs> it is, but you had to be doing something really stupid to do exposure to uh, expose yourself. You know, I, at this point, I'm all, I'm I, you know I'm almost wondering if you know the, Antonio Brown has tried to make himself uh, yeah be perceived as a victim and everything throughout everything. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm thoroughly convinced that he has just plain lost it. That he's just he's just plain lost. Oh, he lost mind, a long time ago. Period. He lost a lot I mean, of this dude, you know, this dude had it made being a member yeah. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and yet he decided to 
throw it all away, essentially. Right. By doing what by doing what he did, uh, you know, stripping essentially in the middle of a game against the Jets and right. running back to the locker room like he did, uh, like a complete yeah, jackass. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty dumb. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was just that, and also, you know, along with the uh, with the sexual assault allegations that were made against him, you know, it, it just almost seems like the last couple of years we yes. have really seen him start to down spiral, and I think that I think this uh, this latest incident is, you know, it's just another indication of how truly far gone he is at this point. Yes. Uh, what, what, Lou, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Uh, he's a complete imbecile. Yeah, but that I already know. I mean, Brown, Brown lost a long time ago. This is just the latest in his antics, and, you know, it just doesn't just stop. I mean, this had to go, you know, across like, Exposing you, exposing your, uh, you know, information like that. How stupid do you have to be? Well, he's been an absolute over the years. This, you know, just I think he's even, he's even trying to outdo himself in his own way of being stupid. Yeah, and that's exactly what he's it's, done. It, what it's just, it, you know, every, nobody can. Uh, no, he can't even convince anybody anymore that no he's he's in the right state of mind after <laughs> all of this after all this continues uh you know it's like it's like one incident after the other and i mean if anything if he was in the, now granted this happened in dubai uh over in india uh but if this was in the states he would have he would have probably gotten uh he probably would have gotten arrested for indecent exposure if anything but as he should you know, it's as he should yeah obviously but i mean this is just it, it, it he has just completely lost it at this point yeah but i think he's uh, lost a long time ago yeah I mean, obviously, you know, he basically once he got released by Pittsburgh, like he did, uh, that right there was pretty much the the starter to his yeah. rapid downfall, essentially. Uh, elsewhere in the league, uh, Browns edge rusher Miles Garrett, who, by the way, is out this week. Uh, suffered minor injuries in a car crash after practice earlier this week where he was involved in a single car accident after his car went off the side of the road, flipping several times. Uh, Both him and and the passenger in his car were wearing their seatbelts, and they both suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, Police did say no alcohol or drugs were involved in the crash, and the investigation for the cause... Well, the, the claim was that he had swerved to try and avoid hitting an animal that was on the yeah. road. 
and that's basically what caused uh, what caused him to go off the side of the road, and then he ended up losing control of his car, essentially. Hmm. And there was a there was an unconfirmed rumor that he had broken his wrist. I don't know if that's true, but uh, that apparent that was one of the rumors that was floating around out there. Uh, but regardless, though, you know it's a uh, pretty big setback uh, for the most important part of that Cleveland defense. Yeah. So now. Uh, you know, Cleveland is going to be uh, going to be moving forward for at least this week uh, without him. Obviously, uh, I mean, honestly, they should be able to beat the Falcons probably even without him. But mm-hmm. we'll know. I think we'll we'll start to know just exactly how much more serious his injuries are if he misses next week as well. I think they might be giving them this next week. Possibly, yeah. Um, some other yeah. injuries also from around the league. Let's start with this one because uh, I don't know about, you know, MetLife Stadium, they may have a lawsuit yeah. on their way. Uh, after Sterling Shepard tore his ACL last week against the Cowboys, and he is officially out for the rest of the season – uh, in the final play of New York's Monday night loss to the Cowboys, he ends up having to get carted off after he went down in a heap, and it was a non-contact injury. It, it, honestly, he looked like he, he was he was running fine and whatnot, and then all of a sudden yeah. uh, there was one step, and then he ended up grabbing the other leg uh, uh, opposite of the leg know. that he stepped on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, they claimed that it had something to do with the field was how he ended up tearing his ACL so i you know i don't know about you Lou, but i think i think potentially uh there could be some potential charges filed when it comes to uh you know the condition of the field Yeah, how can somebody tear their ACL in such a non-contact injury? And, and, you know, it's it's not like he was moving in a way to where, you know, his ACL was being strained in any sort of way. Yeah. Well, with that church, Steve, I mean, you know, that's exactly, you know, what happens. Yeah, they need to do something about that turf. Yeah, I've been saying that for years. They need to replace it. Uh, What are they? Are they using AstroTurf or are they using uh, grass? AstroTurf. That's what's causing all the the injuries. Yeah, that's – and I believe – I know – their their second in line, Kadarius Tony, had suffered an injury as well last year. I don't know if it was because of the turf or uh, what exactly it was from, but he ended up missing a considerable amount of time as well. But you know, it, it, it is though a big loss for a 
for a New York offense that I mean, New York right now looks like they're starting off uh, starting off promising. You know, a two and one record, and they play the Bears this week. Well, uh, potentially potentially could improve to three to one, but now they're gonna yeah. have to they're gonna have to do so the rest of this season without their number one receiver. Okay, you got your work cut out for you. Uh, elsewhere, this was uh, – I meant to bring this up last week. I don't know why I didn't. The Washington Post has reported that NFL owners are giving serious consideration to attempt to potentially oust commander's owner Daniel Snyder. Uh, according to the report, it said multiple owners said in recent days that they believe serious consideration may be given to attempting to oust Snyder from the league's ownership ranks, either by convincing him to sell his franchise or by voting to remove him, was the Post's exact report. Now, per the Post, sentiments among NFL team owners regarding Snyder's ownership have, have shifted cons- uh, significantly as they await the findings of both a congressional investigation and a team or in a league commissioned probe into allegations of misconduct by him and his team. Amongst the many issues is Snyder's apparent financial underperformance. Uh, so obviously removing him would be a Herculean task for the, uh, for the rest of the league. Uh, but his problems are really mounting now at this point. Uh, and they're extremely serious in nature. And plus, with the Denver Broncos fetching about $4.65 billion in their recent sale, uh, yeah. Snyder, could, Snyder could potentially sell uh, the, the, uh, the commanders past $5 billion, potentially. Yeah. Now, obviously, he's, he's not going to let this go without a fight. Uh, but it looks like that fight may finally be coming after decades of some of the very worst ownership in a, in North American sports. Yes. And obviously, any attempt any attempt to remove him would require a two third or a uh, a three quarter vote. So twenty four of thirty two ownership teams uh, yeah. would have to would have to vote to uh, to remove him. So what what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Do you think uh, they may finally be able to get it done, and Dan Snyder, uh, the the NFL, will effectively remove Dan Snyder from the league? Yeah, I think they I think they will. I mean, you know, I think it's time for Snyder to get out. So I think the NFL will have him finally um, removed, and it's been it's been a long time coming. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely been a long time coming. I would be I would be very surprised if they weren't able to get this uh you know, to get this to happen because the more the more problems that come up regarding the the commanders, the worse it's going to look on the league. So honestly, I think this is the only way that they can you know that they can potentially recover from uh the most recent controversy surrounding the commanders to you know to show people that hey we're we're affect you know we're trying to make 
effective changes here, basically. Uh, Lamar Jackson, a little bit of a note here. Lamar Jackson is the first player in the Super Bowl era with 10 or more passing touchdowns and 100 or more rushing yards in the first three games of a season. Thanks to his uh, thanks to his showing against the New England Patriots last week. Right. I mean that right there was pretty. Uh, I you know he was he was on fire. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, some other big injuries around the league. Uh, Trent Williams suffered a high ankle sprain last week for the 49ers against the Denver Broncos. And from all indications, I believe he is, yeah, he is officially out uh, with that sprain for tomorrow's game against the L.A. Rams. Uh, Let's see. It sounds like he could potentially be out for several weeks as a result of it. And honestly, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mac Jones, who also suffered the same thing, may as well uh, be out uh, yeah. for the same amount of time. Uh, also, Chargers left tackle Rashawn Slater uh, apparently suffered, I think it was a torn bicep that he suffered. So he, yeah. is, potentially, he is potentially out for the season. But even more alarming, though, Joey Bosa, suffered a uh, a groin injury and all indications oh. are is that he's going to have surgery supposedly on the injury, which will probably take him out for a good portion of the season, if not the entire rest of the season. So the chargers are really, uh, are really battling uh, huge injury issues here right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The Ravens, they have lost defensive lineman Michael Pierce to a torn bicep. Uh, there's not any definitive word on if he's out for the rest of the year or if he will be able to return at all. But he ended up having to be carted off of the field last week against the Patriots. So he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, obviously he, he is going to be out for a while. Uh, a few weeks at the least is uh, my understanding. At the very least, he'll be out for a few weeks. I mean, you know, when you're being carried up a stretcher, I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't on a stretcher. He got put on the cart. Well, still. So, I, you know, who knows? Um, but... Uh, yeah, it is, it is going to be, um, you know, it is going to be some pretty big, uh, some, some pretty big, uh, you know, things, um, that's going to happen. Uh, Nick Folk, he also broke the, he broke the record set by Ryan Suckup this past week for the most consecutive field goals under 50 yards. Uh, he had set the record with uh, his 57th straight uh, field goal attempt. Um, let's see. 
I, I, I have Alex trying to uh trying to get a hold of me. Let me Yeah. Did we lose him? Yeah, uh he got disconnected. Um I thought we couldn't get away else after eleven o'clock. Well yeah, we're in the overtime right now. So Right. The problem with blog talk obviously is it's pa- when when you pass uh the when you pass by the two uh the two hour uh the two hour requirement uh if you're not on the line or if you get disconnected it won't it won't let you call back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that that's part of part of the uh part of the reason why I hate I, I kinda hate blog talk. Uh because of because of the fact that um Yeah, that's where I started. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, blog talk's where I started. Yeah, it's uh it, 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 and I mean, obviously, we've been on we've been on here for um, you know for years for yeah I've been here for the past here, uh, uh, however many years yeah well let's see it's so, five with you uh, six overall yeah. with me because uh, that's my first started doing the blog talk and I thought you know when I first started getting into this and then uh, when I first started sub hosting and whatnot then you know that's how that came about. Yeah, I, I don't think I did a show at Blog Talk since 2018. Wow, that long ago. Wow. Yeah, that's been a while. That's been a while that yeah. you've uh, since you since you've been uh, since you've been officially on Blog Talk. Yeah, I've been uh, on Blog Talk for six years. So there, there is a uh, another another big story in the NFL that I meant to talk about last week. Uh, according to People Magazine, citing an unnamed source who is close to Tom Brady, uh, the former Patriot turned Buccaneers quarterback will rep- will reportedly have to retire permanently following the season if he wants to continue his marriage to his current wife Giselle Bunchin. Uh-huh. The article says that the article says Brady's permanent retirement is necessary to smooth over any issues from his short-lived retirement last off-season, which has been previously reported to be a contentious issue in their marriage, which is why he took that time off during training camp because he promised that he would be that he would uh, take everybody out on a. Uh, uh, what's it called on a trip? Uh, I think it was like to the Bahamas or something. Uh huh. And in a in a recent interview with Elle, uh, Bunchin had con- had conceded that she would like Brady to be more present while she handles the lion's share of raising their two children. Uh, Brady, of course, a- also has a teenage son with former girlfriend Bridget Moynihan, uh, and. Yeah, the you know the family vacation to the Bahamas was apparently planned during his retirement, and then obviously earlier this month, Page Six had reported that 
Giselle had left Brady and their children at the family compound in Tampa for Costa Rica following a series of heated arguments. And upon returning to to Buccaneers camp last month, Brady had said that the reason for his absence was personal and there was, quote, a lot of shit going on. I can only imagine. Uh, And now, uh, following their win over the Dallas Cowboys earlier this season, Brady admitted on his podcast that he had bumps and bruises from the game and he had acknowledged that he wasn't sure how much longer he could go on playing and that he said he would take things day by day. Meanwhile, the source well, told OB people that, yeah, unless that happens. Uh, but meanwhile, the source told people that Brady's first retirement was a joint decision with Giselle, but he had decided on his own that he was returning. Uh, the source was quoted as saying that she doesn't hate that he's playing football, but she sure hates the way he handled the retirement and co- and coming back to football. Mm-hmm. He know he knows that, and he's doing what he can yeah. to smooth things over. He does know that this is his last season if he wants to stay married. Uh, as the source said, he can't do this again. Sounds like an ultimatum. Exactly. And, you know, that it kind of makes sense now why Brady yeah. came back like he did. Because he had that itch that, uh, you know, that he, that he wanted to continue playing football. But at the same time, you know, obviously everybody knows that Giselle is the one that makes the decisions in that family. It appears that way, doesn't it? So obviously she wouldn't be very she wouldn't be happy at all, uh, you know, with that news that he would be coming back. All right, let's see uh, some notable injuries from around the league uh, in this week's injury report. In particular, uh, for Sunday night's game, Jameis Winston is out for the New Orleans Saints with a back and ankle injury. Uh, Michael Thomas is also out with, or actually, no, this is the game that's taking place in London. So at around 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning is when this will be taking place. Uh, Michael Thomas is out with a foot injury. Uh, Andrews Pete is out with a concussion. And safety Marcus May is out with a rib injury. Uh, questionable are both Alvin Kamara and Jarvis Landry with rib and ankle injuries. So this could be a pretty, a pretty banged up New Orleans Saints team taking on the Vikings this yeah. week. Soda improves to three and one, uh, considering the amount of talent that New Orleans is already missing here. Uh, for the Browns. Pretty much the only notable name, Miles Garrett, out with a with a shoulder injury and a bicep injury. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, though, is listed as questionable with an ankle issue. Uh, for the Falcons, Corderell Patterson is listed as questionable with a knee injury. Uh, for the Bills and Ravens, Ronnie Stanley has been upgraded to questionable, so that's actually good news because he was out last week or the last yeah. couple of weeks, actually. 
Uh, listed as doubtful are Patrick McCarry and Justin Houston, who both injured themselves last week against the Patriots with ankle and groin injuries. Uh, for the Bills, Jake Kumaro is out with an ankle, and they have Gabe Davis listed as questionable with an ankle, as well as Dawson Knox with his back and hip. Uh, Ed Oliver with his ankle, Jordan Poyer with his foot, and Mitch Morse with his elbow injury. Potentially banged up Bill's team as well this week. Uh, yes. Good news for the Cowboys, Connor McGovern is listed as questionable, so he has been upgraded with his ankle injury, so he may be eligible to play. Uh, Dalton Schultz is also questionable with his knee injury. Uh, Dak Prescott, obviously, of course, is still out with his thumb, though we expected that anyways. Detroit, though. Take a look at this injury list, Lou. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, Amonra St. Brown, and DJ Chark. Maybe their three biggest weapons on offense all out for tomorrow's game. They're also going to be without their kicker, Austin Seibert, as well, with a right groin injury. Oh, dear. Uh, The Chargers, they will be without Keenan Allen, still with his hamstring issue. Uh, Let's see. Some of the other names around the league. Uh, The Titans will be without Zach Cunningham with an elbow issue. Amani Hooker is out with a concussion. And Ugo Amadi is out with an ankle injury. Let's see. The Bears, David Montgomery is out with an ankle and a knee issue. Uh, Ryan Griffin is listed as doubtful with an Achilles injury. And the two notable names for the Giants, Kadarius Toney and Leonard Williams, are both out with hamstring and knee issues. Let's see. Uh, Basically, for Jacksonville versus Philly, the only two notable names uh, out of those those two teams, uh, Boston Scott and Avante Maddox, are out for the Eagles with rib and ankle injuries. For the Jets, they will be without Quincy Williams, who's out with an ankle injury. Uh, The Cardinals will be without A.J. Green with a hamstring issue. And it looks like Christian McCaffrey, he was listed as questionable for the Panthers, but it looks like, according to Adam Schefter, he is on schedule to play tomorrow's game. Uh, For the Patriots, for the Patriots, they will be without quarterback Mac Jones, wide receiver Jacoby Myers, defensive lineman Lawrence Guy, and offensive lineman Yadni Kajust. And they have a bunch of other players who are listed as questionable as well. So don't be surprised if you see uh, potentially a couple more people out. Oh, I won't. Uh, let's, let's see. Who else do we have on the list here? Uh, Hunter Renfro is still out for the Raiders with a concussion. Kansas Kansas City will be without kicker Harrison Butker, who has an ankle issue. 
the Buccaneers will be without defensive tackle Akeem Hicks with a foot issue, and it looks like uh, they may be without Brashad Perriman as well, who is listed as, as doubtful with a knee and hamstring issues. Good news, though, is that Julio Jones, Russell Gage, and Chris Godwin have all been upgraded to questionable. So uh, Tampa may be getting some well-needed offensive uh, off- uh, offensive uh, help. Uh, for Monday night's game, looks like for the Niners, Trent Williams is out with his knee issue. Tyler Croft is out with a knee. And those are pretty much the, the any of the notable names between both of those squads. Mm. So, you know, needless to say, Lou, it, you know, injuries have basically swallowed up the NFL almost, you could say. Uh, yeah. It, it almost seems like every other, you know, every week there's a different, issue popping up right i mean my god it's it's astounding quite frankly uh you know how many how many problems uh we're seeing we're seeing pop up and you know that kind of brings back the thing we talked about earlier to where maybe perhaps their safety their safety protocols obviously will cover concussions moving forward, but maybe perhaps they may want to extend that a little bit further and maybe cover other options as well. Yes. So it remains to be seen, you know, what, just exactly what's going to happen uh, there. Also, uh, in college football, Herm Edwards is out as Arizona State head coach after going 26 and 20 overall through five seasons. Uh, he so went to three play. bowls. He went to three bowls where he won the Sun Bowl in 2019, and he lost the Las Vegas Bowl in 2018 and 2021. Now you may wonder, Lou, why he got fired. That's what I was just saying. Why would he get fired after having such a great, great record? Must be something well, personal. Well, reports a report suggested that Arizona State staffers leaked information to opponents in an attempt to get black coach Herm Edwards fired. Of course. So basically, it was a case of sabotage. Good old sabotage. As an opposing coach told the Athletic this season, it wasn't hard to get intel on this season's team because some within Arizona State Athletics wanted a coaching change, and they're trying to ba- they tried to basically force it uh, by leaking out information about the team. Yeah. And also, uh, one thing it does note, too, is that Edwards didn't make an effort to get familiar with the bylaws of the NCAA and made staff members of the department feel like he needed to be constantly looked after, Uh, which I assume would, of course, get on their nerves. Um, Of course. 
Now, it was also noted that for more than a year, the NCAA has investigated recruiting allegations within the football program. Edwards and his staff are accused of hosting recruits during the non-contact period put in place because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, He ended up losing five assistants during that probe, including defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce and offensive coordinator Zach Hill. So with uncertainty swirling around the program, recruiting had suffered significantly. And also, uh, former staff had stated that Edwards may not have been aware of every detail, but he was in the know of Arizona State operating outside the rule book. Hmm. So honest, honestly, Lou, to me, this just this seems like like complete sabotage. The fact that I can put by myself, you know, and also not just that, but they had to scramble to try and retain some of their recruits before the NCAA gives those penalties, and after they had fired Herm Edwards. Right. And basically, uh, it's uh, so some of the incident, some of the uh, recruits that they're trying to keep. Uh, one of them said that if they hire from within their own program uh, to have somebody be the new head coach, he will stick with his commitment. Another one said that he remains loyal and isn't planning to leave at all. Uh, he, another one remains committed, but he has some questions about position, co- about position coach Chris Claiborne and whether he'll be retained. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, th- this whole thing, you could potentially see uh, potential recruits, you know, current, current commitments be – uh, be turned back because mm-hmm. of this firing. And by the way, we have a huge upset. Georgia Tech, who entered today's game as 21 and a half point underdogs. Yeah. Look like they are about to upset uh, 24th ranked Pittsburgh. The money line was plus one thousand, and actually, this just went final, twenty-six to twenty-one. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was an underdog on the money line by plus one thousand. Wow! And they somehow won. Another upset today, by the way, too. Uh, UConn upset Fresno State. For the first time, beating UConn? a, uh, I said UConn. Oh boy, look. 